Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Did you know, did you know, modern lovers, that 133 million Americans suffer from chronic diseases? Incurable ongoing illnesses. That means more than 40% of the total population of the U.S. is dealing with some sort of chronic condition. Now, most of us know that there are very courageous artists like Selena Gomez who've opened up about health battles. And Selena has spoken about struggling with lupus. But a lot of artists shy away from talking about personal health struggles. Unlike our guest today, who's a pop singer-songwriter, Lisa Snyderman, who goes by AED, and you'll hear more about AED when we introduce her a little bit later, she applauds Selena's honesty and uses her own notoriety to help educate and raise awareness about chronic illness. But you don't have to let chronic illness define who you are and you can, in fact, live a full, prosperous life and have a great love to boot, which is why here at Modern Love, we do everything we can to support you in the relationship area of your life, which has a direct impact on your health. I've done a number of posts for the Dr. Oz Share Care website talking about why love is good for your health, why sex is good for your health, because we need all those endorphins, that serotonin, and that big boost of energy to help the immune system. So if you want to get more information about having your best, best, best love life, join us for one of our live intensives here in our Modern Love Training Center. In fact, we have one coming up Saturday, October 13th. You can go to Eventbrite and register yourself right now. This particular training is called Five Truths That Will Totally Transform Your Life. And this is a way to engage with the five core parts of our being, body, emotions, mind, spirit. And the fifth part is how all of that impacts our relationships. So be sure you grab your seat now. Bring a friend or family member. We'll see you on October 13th. Hit me back at www.drbrendaway.com or any of our social media platforms, Dr. Brenda Wade. Now here's our Dr. Brenda question for today. Keep the questions coming. We like answering your questions. This one is, one of my close friends lost his housemate several years ago. A little while after the death of his housemate, he lost another friend unexpectedly. Since those events, he's been been unable to open up to people, try new things, or basically live his life. I know losing someone is a tough thing. 
and it's been some time. I don't want to see these tragedies shape the rest of his life. I want to help him move on, but I don't know what to do. Please tell me how I can help my friend deal with his losses while gaining back his life. This is from Grieving Friend in Dallas. Look, Dallas, this is a tough thing. And like anything else in life that is difficult, we can't get through it without help and support. So I know that you've been there. You've probably talked with your friend. But that's different than having qualified professional help. And one of the best things you can do for your friend is walk your friend into a grief group because being with other people who've suffered losses reduces that feeling I'm alone, nobody else understands, no one else can get through it, I can't get through it. And best of all, with all that support and that kind of normalizing the experience, you get steps and tools. You're not a pro, you need a pro in the room. And if you have to be person in the side saddle with your friend, that might be the best way to get him to go. All right, blessings, blessings to both of you. So let me tell you more about Lisa Snyderman, a.k.a. AED. She's a 45-year-old award-winning folk pop artist playwright. She is a teaching artist, and she's an author from San Francisco right here in our own backyard. She's been honored with more than 50 awards for songwriting, audiobooks, stage plays since 2012, and against a fierce obstacle suffering from a rare autoimmune disease called dermatomitosis, I'm going to have her say it, dermatomitosis, which is progressive. So her new book is coming out, Light in the Darkness, Transcending Chronic Illness Through the Power of Art and attitude. So, A. Edie, welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, now pronounce that word. I couldn't pronounce. <laughs> You're not the only one. Don't don't feel bad about this. It's called dermatomyositis. Dermatomyositis. And when did you first get diagnosed with that? Well, I have been battling for more than 10 years, mm. which this, this condition is a progressive muscle weakness. And if, in essence, if it's untreated, it attacks and weakens my immune systems and muscles. And I've been dealing with the challenges of managing it, trying to find right, the right combination of treatments and drugs and therapies, probably since April of 2008. Mm. So picture this. You're six weeks before you're getting married. You're about to go on tour to promote your first full album, and you're working full-time. And imagine you get a skin rash, and you go to a dermatologist thinking he's going to give you some skin cream. And instead, he tells you that you have a rare, unpronounceable disease, and he refers you to a rheumatologist. And you're 36 years old. Wow. Wow, what so a that, story. Oh, my goodness. That's the, the start of that uh, challenge and journey for me. And the worst was a flare in 2010 when I was hospitalized for nearly a month for complete muscle weakness and then confined to a wheelchair and forced to re, relearn, you know, undergo rehab for many months to relearn basics such as how to sit, how to walk, how to stand, and then eventually how to sing and play again. 
So you learn to sing and play again in spite of this illness. You are truly a warrior. You are a warrior. My God, what a challenge. And in the early, young, oh, I just can't even say enough, young woman about to get married, you know, right at this very big moment in your life. So in your early childhood, in your early life, were there any indications that this illness was there? Is it something that's genetically transmitted? There's not indications. You probably are familiar with autoimmune, so the idea that you're – Sure. So um, when your body is attacking itself, a lot of times it's called idiopathic, meaning Mm -hmm. that they really don't have a single source. There's lots of hypotheses, and depending on, you know, who you talk to with this rare disease, different people have different triggers. There's never any, you know, cause and effect. And there are lots of different kinds Mm -hmm. of autoimmune diseases also. Isn't that true? Oh, absolutely, right? You know, the ones that are maybe people would be familiar with that are similar to this would be a lupus mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, something in the rheumatoid arthritis, that kind of field. That's going to be closest to what the muscle diseases are. But it's under the MDA, you know, rubric. Right. So as you've been going through this process, what was the mm-hmm. hardest part of it for you? It sounds like you went, you know, to the very depths of physical disability and had to build yourself up. What was the hardest part? Yeah, I think actually uh, going through that place of being completely independent and then um, transforming, right, in my darkest days when I really couldn't move my muscles and my life changed forever in an instant. You know, I went from independence to total dependence and then for a lot of months required so much assistance and help. And relying, you were just talking about support from from um, networks and family and friends, for example. That you know was so essential. Um, a slower baseline, right? That involved wheelchairs and walkers and canes and ramps and you know new foods. And my body was waging war at the time, and it really was taking a toll. You know, I think I counted something like 156 doctor appointments. Um, And that roller coaster, I know, isn't it? It's it's a little mind-boggling. And so that roller coaster, excuse me, roller coaster of um, drug cocktails and the effects, you know, reoccurrent infections, the fatigue. But I mean, I must say, you know, my story is actually dealing with all of this darkness by creating. Right, I was actually turning obsessively to creativity to help myself, you know, both to express and also to... Yeah, that was my next question, was how did you cope on a personal level? And you're saying you turned to your creativity. And when you say you turned to creativity, what what did you do and how did that affect how you felt and what was going on with you? Yeah, those are great questions. So... Everybody can create in in different ways. To me, creating is actually just sort of getting in touch with what's on the inside. Um, for me, it's it's living and or finding and living in my place of joy and passion. And so, I am a, a singer songwriter. Uh, I wear a lot of different kinds of hats. But I first, especially when I was going through the worst of this uh, darkness, I was uh, turned to music. 
so since 2010, I have basically created albums. Uh, I've released, I think, three albums, um, but five total. So three of those albums were musicals that I ended up creating, um, as well as a pop album. And then, now, as you were mentioned, the music my, my at all memoir. influenced by what you were going through? So, uh, in terms of the themes, yes, that sort of thing. Yes and no. And the reason I answered that is. I will tell you, I completely hid behind this artist persona that you're calling, you know, AED, that I call AED. It was my way of coping so that I didn't necessarily have to delve and dwell in that darkness. And it's amazing because, honestly, I didn't even know that was happening until I was writing Mm. the memoir and had that chance to process and Mm -hmm. realize that, I was creating light, bright songs, you know, characters in my musicals. I turned to fantasy. I turned to all these things, I guess, you know, to not have to cope with the illness. So on the one hand, uh, you know, I was doing this to express. uh, And there were certain songs that came out as a result of, of my journey, you know what I mean, that I personalized. As an example, I had one fan that... Uh, was sharing a story with me how he also had a muscle disease, but he was on a respirator, so he couldn't leave his home. But he found so much hope and optimism in all kinds of things in life, despite where he was at. And when he shared a story, I was so moved that my muse, you know, was inspired and, and, and outflowed this song called Perfect Day. Perfect and when Day. I, oh, my goodness. What are, give us a taste of the lyrics of that. Oh, okay. So, but I'll finish the story, uh, which is that when that song came out, I imagined life from his lens. And I thought, this is, you know, I wrote the lyrics, uh, see the ship, it glides, and I I catch a ride, um, ride into the sunset one perfect day. I'd feel so alive. I'd feel so alive on just one perfect day with you. So it's all about, you know, feeling so alive and and imagining moments where you're not impaired by what your body is going Mm, through. And here I I am thinking it's his journey. And uh, I realized that it was also my journey that I was lamenting. And it was the first time in music that I allowed myself to acknowledge that limitation, you know, and what I was going through. Um, Uh, Well, that's a hard thing to acknowledge. You know, the the human mind automatically wants to either dive deep, deep, deep in the darkness and hide there, or the human mind wants to say, I'm going to get through this no matter what, and I don't want to think about it. It's hard to be with both and balance it, isn't it? Absolutely. And for me, it was much easier, especially since I already had an artist persona, right? I could live there, you know, and share the positive moments with my friends and fans. I could share the pictures on the, you know, uh, at the Grammys on the, the red carpet, or I could share those kinds of things where they were cheering. And that's what I thought everybody wanted to see is, you know, all these ways that I was persevering. Well, uh, a lot but of what people do draw strength from seeing, you know, you're indomitable. We had several examples of that with Michael J. Fox, who, you know, went on with his appearances, went on with his life in spite of his illness. And many people commented how inspiring it was. It also was humbling for people who were going around complaining, kvetching about their own lives to go, (laughs) wait a minute, wait a minute, 
you know, this guy is standing up to MS. I have nothing here to complain about. I'm going to get to more gratitude in my life. So I imagine some of your fans were looking at you going, look at her. Oh, my God, she's amazing and inspiring. Yeah, and and it's it's also a testament to whatever adversity that you're going through, you know, you can still keep dreams alive. You you don't mm. give up, right? It's like mm-hmm. whatever it is, it doesn't matter whether it's this illness, another chronic illness, disability, a life challenge, you know, whatever. Or found, relationships, um, since we're here with Modern yeah. Love. Yeah. Radio or, or relationship that's not working out because for many people – that can be absolutely crippling. I know because yes. I've been on that train. You know, you feel like yes. life is over when your heart's broken. Right. And I feel so that's like, a question. you know, when I, I was... Mm-hmm. Go, go ahead, because I'm going to get to another question with you in a minute. I know everybody has this question on their minds. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, all I was saying is that as I was writing my memoir, that's what was coming out for me is that it was a personal experience. Obviously, it's my journey. But the takeaways the life lessons for living well with illness, you know, for, for living well with anything that life has thrown you is, is something that can apply, you know, to you. It doesn't have to just apply to me. Yeah, exactly. So what, what you're saying is along the lines I'm headed toward, which is that for most people, they don't realize if you haven't had to struggle with just coming up with the energy to sit up straight or to get up, it's incredibly challenging if you're dealing with this kind of autoimmune disease or any other kind of chronic condition. So you're describing for us how you found resources, inner resources with art. And it sounds as if you also were able to tap into a lot of relationships and support. Yes. So that is the second part, you know, that I talk about this art and attitude. Part of this is really recognizing when you need help, finding and embracing, you know, that support system that you have in family, in friends, in your network. And really my, you know, mantra is don't do this alone, is learn to receive and nurture those networks. Well, you know, I like to say life is mm -hmm. a team sport. And no matter Mm -hmm. what is going on in our lives, whether we're in, you know, the golden time or the green time or we're in the time where we really need support, life is a team sport. Sometimes we get to be the givers. Other times we get to be the receivers. You know, you're going to pass the ball or you're going to receive the ball, but we're all on this field. And I I just want to say this because when we talk about relationships, One of the things that is a fact in all the studies that are coming out from the five love labs around the U.S. is that having support, emotional support, is one of the keys to actually having a good relationship. And relationships that have a lot of social contact and support are stronger. But on top of it, it means your immune system can be stronger if you have support. And I know you mentioned that you were about to get married. I'm sure there are many people thinking, did she get married? What happened to your relationship with this illness, this challenge that you're going through? Oh, well, well, first I just want to say absolutely, and and I love that you just shared that. Yes, um, 
I did get married. And the funny thing is, I I was with my partner at the time already, I think, six years. So it wasn't like we didn't have any time, you know, before we got married. We've mm-hmm. been together now 16. And so I still asked him, right when I got diagnosed, I said, do you still want to marry me? <laughs> because I really needed him to know I have a rare disease and, you know, this is what we're in for. And just knowing, you know, the kind of partner uh, in Dave, Dave, my husband, has made all the difference. You know, I would not be where I am today. I wouldn't be the person I am uh, without him by my side, his encouragement, support, you know, enabling, loving, even through all of that, right? Because you never know what's going to happen when you get sick if your partner is going to stand by. You know, you, you want, you hope for, but you don't know until it happens. Um, and so I have been very blessed, and I, I love to hear that there's a physical connection between support and um, and your body. You know, oh, I, I learned too about healing. Yeah, the emotions, right? the mind, and the spirit all work together. That's that's an upcoming training that we have here, October 13th. So you you gave me the perfect opening there to let people know again that if you really want to connect those dots and have what I call all cylinders firing together for optimal health and optimal relationship, this is the training for you because everything is energy. So if you were to give advice to a couple who are on a journey where one member of the couple has an illness, what would you say to them based on your experience with you and your husband going through yours? Oh, wow. That's a a wonderful question. Because there's two ways to answer, one from the perspective of the patient, one from the perspective of caretaker. Mm -hmm. So in our relationship, it really quickly turned from partnership to patient and caretaker. Not something I wanted, but something we definitely had to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. as I was getting sicker, and especially in 2010 when I had the flare. Uh, and so, honestly, I think that if you can have that really solid base to start with, you know, all of your communication and, and you know what I mean, you have a safe place to be able to share, then if something like this starts happening, it allows you uh, to know that you're safe. Right. And when you say a safe place to share, yes, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm headed. How you talk about your feelings with one another. How did you guys work that out? Because there are a lot of feelings. And so many couples don't have the tools to be able to actually talk about feelings. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) So for for my situation, um, I am in – I'm blessed in that we do have good communication. But what is difficult about a chronic illness is imagine the fatigue, right, the stamina, the lack of energy. So for my partner, he is always has my back. I'm not talking about the communication. I'm talking about the physical part now. If I have done too much or if we're out and he sees that my energy is starting to drain or wane, it's like there's no question to ask. You know, we know that that is is enough, and and he uh, takes it upon himself to sort of, like I say, have my back in that way so Mm -hmm. that we're, you know, we can help each other. On the communication front, like I said, I'm blessed to be able to share 
uh, what I'm feeling, but it's difficult when I'm tired. So he knows that he's going to be taking up more of the workload, um, and it's something that he, I guess I'll put it this way, he's willing to put it in because of my attitude. That is 100%, I'm not even going to say 90, you know, 100% so important because somebody Now, when you say gracious, attitude, what do you mean? Okay, I'm going to explain. Gracious, grateful, positive, appreciative. I'm serious because it doesn't mean that I can't have bad days, bad moments, you know, uh, be tired. Uh, it doesn't mean that. What it means is that I understand that he's sacrificing and that that and you know that he's doing so many things so that I could have you know it a little easier um and so I have that attitude of of uh, gratitude you know around mm. him with him and that's huge you know I think like you were talking about people who fetch again I'm not going to say there's you know a right way and a wrong way to feel I don't mean that I think you need to to acknowledge um and express mm-hmm. your feelings but I don't mm-hmm. think you need to dwell there. So I would say um, the advice you're giving right now, I would say that would apply to any couple in any situation, even in the best of times, to be gracious, to be grateful, to honor the other person for their contribution to you. I, mm-hmm. I think those are words to live by, and I appreciate you sharing them. I think every couple can benefit from what you're saying right now. In fact, I I, I have a little formula. I call that that the five A's, appreciation, acceptance, admiration, and so on. Those things are really important in a relationship. So thank you for sharing that. Now, you get the final word. What would you like to leave everyone with? And, And before you give the final word, everyone, I want to remind you, that our guest, AED, which is, again, the name of the muse of music, the Greek muse. Is that right, AED? She is, yes. So you are every bit as as much an inspiration as any (laughs) muse could be. And your book is, everybody, because we love books in this community, we, we believe in building libraries so that any moment you can just old school reach out and touch the book you need, and let the inspiration flow. Her book is Light in the Darkness, Transcending Chronic Illness Through the Power of Art and Attitude. And her website is a light in the darkness. Uh, let me make sure I got that right. A light in the darkness dot info. Is that right, Aidy? Yes. Yes. Okay. A light in the darkness dot info. And you can get more information about AED, going to that website, more information about the book. Pick that book up because you know somebody, if you aren't the one, you know somebody who is dealing with an illness, and you could be the one that makes a big difference and brings the light and the darkness. So what are your final words of wisdom to us, AED? Well, I have some some messages, I suppose, that for me in my journey that can apply, which are that living with chronic illness or disability or unexpected life challenges and living your dreams aren't mutually exclusive. Ooh, don't give nice. up on <laughs> don't give up on your dreams. 
choose hope and possibility no matter what life's continual curveballs are. And I would say for me that I, the, I want to talk a little bit about the book, which is that the book We're really right you. up against the clock, my dear. Oh. So I'm sorry, you get the okay. final word, and we're right there. And everyone, take these words to heart. Choose hope and possibility. That's absolutely beautiful. Because whatever you're dealing with in your life, everybody has challenges. If it's not your turn now, it will be. And always choose hope and possibility. We can clutch that to our bosoms and live by those words. So this is our guest, Aidy. Thank you so much for being our guest today. And everyone coming up, we have Joffy McClung, The Science of Self-Confidence, next week. After that, Dr. D. Carroll, Unleash Yourself, Woman. And big thank you to Cliff Dunning, our associate producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, our executive producer to you, Modern Lovers. I'll see you October 13th. Take the plunge. Go to Eventbrite right now and sign yourself up for a full-day training on learning the best practices in awakening the love you've always, always wanted. So blessings, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.